This episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for the past 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section so they know we sent you. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com is the place to be. It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network. Talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and the AP poll, the coaches poll, decided to come out with their rankings for the 2020 season, even though we don't know how the season is going to go, how the season is going to play out, if there even is going to be a season, but we're going to dissect the SEC, and more importantly, does A&M fit their actual ranking going into 2020? Before we begin, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and subscribe to our channel at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this show better, I'm always willing to listen to your concerns, to your ideas, and more importantly, to your common courtesy knowledge that would help me make this a more quality sounding podcast. And secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M related content. Go subscribe on iTunes, listen to us on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen to us live here on LockedOnPodcast.com. So, once again, the coaches poll, one of the biggest marks that comes out every single year heading into the college football season, was announced earlier today, and no surprise here overall, the SEC dominated as a whole You had your top contenders, and of course you had your teams that were probably going to be in the running just because they are a blue blood. Coming in, number one was Clemson with 38 votes. They are returning a ton of talent, including star quarterback Trevor Lawrence and brilliant running back Travis Etienne into their backfield. Their biggest loss is going to be Justin Ross, who suffered a back injury and will be out for the remainder of the year. Coming in, number two was Ohio State. They actually got 17 first place votes, and the only person who I think is going to compare against Lawrence for that number one overall pick is going to be the Ohio State quarterback, Justin Fields. What he was able to do last year was phenomenal. What the team has been able to do once again is nothing short of impressive. I want to see this Ohio State team take that next jump. I personally think they should have been in the national championship game last year, and they lost some pieces. Let's just be real. They lost Malik Harrison in the uh, the linebacking core. They lost J.K. Dobbins in the run game. They're not going to be as complete as a team as they were in 2019, but they're still a very good team, and Ryan Day's done a really good job recruiting. I'm very excited to see this group. Number three, number four, number five, all SEC schools. Once again, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. LSU getting six first-place votes. Alabama getting four first-place votes. And Georgia, just a continuously confident team. Make it into our top six. Now, this is where I look at this and I go, okay, I totally understand how this conference is built, but what about Texas A&M? Well, the Aggies came in ranked number 13, just above in-state rival Texas. And on a some level, I can understand how that's the case. Once again, there were, I think, six teams. Yeah, there's six teams in the top 15 from the SEC. Alabama comes in at three, Georgia four, LSU five. Top five has three. You have three more in the top 15 with Florida coming in at eight, 
Then you have Auburn at 9, I mean 11, and A&M at 13. They're once again dominating, and overall, you still had some teams getting some votes. Now again, there was only those six in the top 25, but Tennessee got votes. You also had Mississippi State get votes. You had, I believe I'm not mistaken, even Missouri, I think, get some votes. Right now, the SEC, once again, is showing they are a dominant division. But let's go back to that number 13 spot for AM. You look at AM's record from last year and what they went through a 7 and 5 season. They had to face off against the number one team in the conference, country, my bad, three times in a row. They did it week two against Clemson, they did it week seven against Alabama, and they did it week 13 against LSU. They got blown out in two of those three games, and they only played. I would say really three good quarters in all 12 quarters. So a quarter of their games, they looked good. But again, those teams were ready to win. They were built. And you have to start looking at some of the other teams around the country and maybe wonder, are they still that same? So here's what we're going to do. Today's episode, we're going to break down, is A&M in the right spot? Because personally, I think you can make an argument that they aren't but you could make an argument that they are. So let's just start with why they are ranked at number 13. For starters, we have no idea what their schedule is anymore. So when COVID-19 happened and they announced that they were going to go ahead and try to find a new way to schedule games, it messed with everyone's schedule. So A&M, who had to go play Georgia, had to go play Clemson last year, was rewarded with Colorado and Vanderbilt. Well, that's no longer the case because Colorado, part of the Pac-12, said earlier last month they would only play schools inside their own conference following on the heels of the Big Ten. So that game is now out. And then you still had Abilene Christian, North Texas, and Fresno State. Well, Fresno State's in California, so I'm not sure they're going to want to travel that far to go play against A&M just to get their butts whooped. I don't see that happening. So there you go. There's another loss. Then the SEC came out and said, we're going to have a 10-game conference schedule. So you have to add two more games to that list. Now, depending on how that list comes out, A&M could be stuck playing a team like Missouri, who's in a rebuild, who's kind of on the growth, or they could be stuck playing a team like Florida, who might be the most underrated team in the SEC, not named A&M. I mean, you look at what Florida has. They're bringing back their starting quarterback in Kyle Trask. They're bringing back a dominant tight end in Kyle Pitts. They're bringing back a sound offensive line. They're bringing back a pretty good defense. And outside of missing C.J. Henderson, their secondary that was ranked number eight in the nation last year is going to be back. They're a really good team. And if that's the case where A&M has to play them, A&M could be the downside of it. They could be viewed as an underdog in that game. And these are two teams that were the probably least too affected by the 2020 NFL draft. They're returning most of their key players. So this could mean for Dan Mullen, who's entering his fourth year as the head coach, no, third year, my bad, third year as the head coach for Florida. Jimbo Fisher entering his third year. Maybe one of these two can finally say, hey, I was the better hire. And you could see it happen live. That could cost AM a win. And instead of going 10 and 2, 11 and 1, like a lot of people are projecting, maybe they finish instead with 
under double-digit wins. Maybe that's just the case. You play 10 games plus that extra non-conference game right now, that's 11. Maybe instead, you're finishing 9-2. and two. Maybe that's what happens this year. And that's not going to be enough to probably make it into the college football playoff. So I can get why AM comes in at number 13 for that reason. Another reason, we don't really know what to expect with Kellen Mond. One of the biggest concerns is you look at how the offense is going to have to replace the production of Courtney Davis and Kendrick Rogers. They have a ton of young talent. Caleb Chapman's still going to be there as a redshirt sophomore. They're going to bring in Musa Muhammad III. They're going to bring in Damon Demas, who is arguably the best wide receiver prospect in the nation going into 2020. But again, COVID-19 happened, so you weren't able to get players up there early. You had voluntary workouts, so if a player did not show, it does not mean that they're not going to be a part of the roster this year. And finally, you're only having walkthroughs. You're having meetings. You're not able to see the on-field production on a daily basis. Add all that together, that could hurt A&M. And offensively, you need Kellen Mond to be as pinpoint accurate as possible. Mac Jones at Alabama is going to be behind a top 10 offensive line. Whether you like Mac Jones or not, he's going to be behind a top 10 offensive line. And they lost Jedrick Wills. They lost their tackle. Alex Leatherwood's still there. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Kyle Trask, same thing. Find a really good offensive line down in Florida. A&M, you don't know what you're going to get. All five starters are returning. Does that mean they're going to be good? I don't know. But I can tell you this much. A&M will rely and die based off of how Kellen Mond plays. So if Kellen Mond struggles with no weapons outside of Javon Osmond, or Jalen Weidemeyer has a setback, or Devin Acne and anyone else who came in as a running back prospect, DeAndre Jackson, can't produce alongside Isaiah Spiller. This is, again, another probably, I guess you would say, an 8-3 win team this year because there's only 11 games. Uh, you would say this is a at maybe a 7-4 win team. Maybe they're at 9-2 at best. But all the pieces have to click together for this A&M team to be good. So coming in at thir- 13 kind of makes sense. You know what else makes sense? Saving money on your car parts. And sometimes when you go into the big, massive stores, they're going to cost you an arm and a leg just for Nam brand alone. So that's why I like to use rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business that has been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. In fact, Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints had his tailgate stolen off the back of his truck. He went on to rockauto.com's most reliable search engine, found himself a new tailgate, got it shipped to his house, and installed it himself for a fraction of the price you would have to do at a major store. Go to rockauto.com and type in Locked On on the How'd You Hear About Us page so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selections, always reliably low prices. RockAuto.com is the place to be for your auto parts today. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you love quality podcasts surrounding your favorite sports teams? If so, listen to a Locked On Podcast. The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team featured in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and highlight sports information for fantasy leagues coming up in the upcoming weeks. So make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, and listen to us live here on LockedOnPodcast.com. 
So once again, A&M, the number 13 ranked team entering 2020 after a down year. We know that their schedule is going to be a little more fluxed. We don't know who they're going to be playing as those two extra games in the SEC. They're still going to play South Carolina. As of what I've been told, they're still playing Vanderbilt. So those are two games in the SEC East that they're going to have. But you have two other games that they could play against. That could help decide how AM's season goes alongside with their out-of-conference game that they will play at some point this year. The schedule has not been released. We'll staying on top of that. But let's look ahead at all teams right now going into 2020 and seeing if AM deserves to be ranked higher or lower than them so we can finally figure out where they truly belong on the coaches' poll. Because let's just go with this. AM, they're returning a lot of starters. They're returning nine on offense and nine on defense. They're replacing two key players on offense. Really three, I would say, because if you have to include Jay Sean Corbin, who left by transfer, but they're replacing Colton Prater, and they're really only replacing Courtney Davis. Kendrick Rogers, as good as he was his sophomore year, was not great his, senior, his junior year. So I say Courtney Davis, you're replacing his production more than anything else. Defensively, you're replacing Charles Oliver, you're replacing Justin Matabike. Jimbo Fisher went out and addressed both those needs with two five-stars and Jalen Jones, who's going to move from safety to cornerback, which is something that AM loves to pivot on, larger framed corners. And then on offense, Damon Demas. I mean, that's just how it is. You get him, and if he can step up and be an immediate factor, there's your Courtney Davis replacement. And you have, hopefully, a re- balanced offensive line or anyone who could come in to make an impact on that offensive line to give someone some type of production. You also have Kellen Mond, who will be the most veteran starting quarterback in the conference. Good sign. The defense really stand out. I really like what they have. I like what I saw from DeMarvin Leal at the end of the season. I think Bobby Brown can come in and be a really strong replacement for Matt BK. I think the defense is going to be fine. I think that you have another year of Anthony Hines and Buddy Johnson learning from what Tyrell Dotson or Terrell Lacka left behind. So I see this team actually being pretty good. But let's see. Right now, Clemson's going to be number one, and I stand by that. I'm an Alabama alum, and that hurts to say. But Clemson has the most important position to win right now, and that's a quarterback. Did they take a hit in the draft? Yeah, they did. You know what else they did? They took a hit in the draft in 2019. They also took a hit in the draft in 2018. They also took a hit in the draft in 2017. They replenished and they went back to the college football playoff. They won a national title and they went to the national title game last year. They're going to take hits every single season, but they're still very good. The one issue I have is every single year that they've lost a receiver, they've had someone who's already been a number two that transforms to a number one. They don't have that this year. Because T. Higgins is gone, but Justin Ross is already out for the year. When Ross was the number three option, it was because Higgins was the number two and Deion Kane was number one. When Kane was the number two, it was because Mike Williams was the number one. And when Mike Williams was starting out, DeAndre Hopkins was finishing out his career there. They've always had a number one receiver. Oh, by the way, while Hopkins was there, they had Sammy Watkins as the number one. They've always had a number one receiver, and they don't have that this year. So it'll be interesting to see how well wide receiver you can replace the production of Ross, who I think was going to be a top five pick. You're going to tell me right now between him and Jamar Chase, I'm going to say it's pretty neck and neck. 
Now it's Chase wide away. It is. Ohio State, number two. They need to be lower than two. I 100% will say that right now. They need to be lower than two. How much of a hit they took in players. You lose K.J. Hill as a wide receiver. J.K. Dobbins as your running back. You lose Malik Harrison as your middle linebacker. You lost Jeffrey Okuda, who might be the best of the best of the recent cornerbacks that have come out. Let's just keep in mind, who's come out recently? Eli Apple, Marshawn Lattimore, Denzel Ward, Jeffrey Okuda. Okuda might be better than all of them. And he has yet to take a snap yet. That's just how dominant he is as a cover man. And he's so polished with his cover skills. He does not get charged with any pass interference calls. He's just that talented. You have to replace all that production. And in a shortened season, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can find a true number one option in this short of a year. I don't know if you can find a new linebacker at the beginning of the year. I don't know if you can do all that. But I can say that they don't deserve to be outside the top five. Because you have the most important position done. And that is the quarterback position. Number three, Alabama. I put them number two. I would. Listen. Yeah, they lost Jedrick Rolls. They lost uh, Xavier McKinney in the secondary. They lost some pieces. Raekwon Davis on the, on the defensive line. They also never missed the postseason until last year when Tua Tagovailoa got hurt. And more importantly, even though they lost wide receivers Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, they still have the numbers three and four options who are now going to play numbers one and two in Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. They still have their tight ends. The offensive line is going to be fine. Keep in mind, Alex Leatherwood is the left tackle who's now going to be playing with a right-handed quarterback, so he's just going to have to transfer from playing as a right tackle to the left side, and people actually view him more as a left tackle prospect when they viewed Wills as the right tackle prospect. So it's just interchanging for them at this point. I look at what Alabama has built right now. They get Dylan Moses back, who's who's healthy. Patrick Sertain in the secondary. They should be the number two team. Mac Jones is the biggest red flag, and honestly, he showed enough last year to where I don't think he can be. Because of the pedigree of Nick Saban, too, I can't put them above AM. I mean, below AM. They, of course, are going to be above AM. And until proven otherwise, they're going to be the best team in the country, at least in the SEC. Clemson should be one for sure, but I would say number two is Alabama, until proven otherwise. So what about the rest? Where does A&M fall in that category? We'll be breaking down where in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. We already talked a little bit about the top three schools. Does A&M deserve to be in that conversation? Absolutely not. You know where else they don't deserve to be? At four or five. Georgia and LSU, right now going into the year, they have better resumes. And I know what you're going to say about LSU. And I'll agree with you. They do not deserve to be top five. LSU took such a hit. Real fast, just to flash on Georgia. Georgia finds a way to replace their running backs every single year. So they don't really have to worry about replacing DeAndre Swift. They went from Jake Fromm to Jamie Newman, who may be a better quarterback prospect overall. So that's actually an upgrade at the position. They still have one of the top offensive lines in the league, even though they lost Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson. 
I think that that's going to be the biggest area they're going to have to replace. Their defense is really sound. They have a very good secondary with the count leading the charge at safety. I'm very excited to see this Georgia team. I think they might be better with Newman than they were with Jake Fromm. So they could actually have a higher ceiling. LSU, they don't deserve to be top five. They're in the top five because they won it last year. But they are depleted everywhere. Their number one player is Jamar Chase. And don't get me wrong, Jamar Chase is amazing. If Jamar Chase were to opt out, like we're seeing with some of these players, he would still be the first wide receiver taken. You could have a guy come out with a 1,900 receiving yard season, and I still would say Jamar Chase would be the number one receiver. That's how talented he is, and he was the number two behind Justin Jefferson. But you lose Jefferson, you lose Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you lose Thaddeus Moss, you lose three starters on your offensive line, you lose your quarterback in Joe Burrow. That's just your offense. You lose almost your entire starting defensive line. You lose two linebackers in Patrick Queen and Jacob Phillips. You lose Grant Delpit. You lose um, you lose Christian Fulton in the secondary. More importantly, you lose Dave Aranda to Baylor. You lose Joe Brady to the NFL. You lose assistant coaches to become coordinators somewhere else. That's as big as a blow as losing all of the talent that's in Baton Rouge. They're going to be, I think, a nine-win team, an eight-win team, and they deserve to be top five for this reason and this reason alone. They won it all last year. But if you want me to go pound for pound right now, I think that they are better than A&M at the wide receiver position. I think they're a little bit better than A&M at the cornerback position because they still have Derek Stingley. Outside of that, A&M beats them in every other category. So I go A&M is actually better than the likes of LSU going into the year. And I, I don't really care about that. I think that that's just a fact. I think the way LSU is built right now, they won it last year, and they're going to pay a big price this year. So LSU, they should be higher than them. 100%. Oklahoma. You know, it's, it's tough with Oklahoma. Because here's why. Every single year... Oklahoma is in the top 10. They have one loss, and they still find a way to make the postseason. This will be the first year that they don't have a transfer quarterback under center in the last three years. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. Now it's Spencer Rattler's turn. What minimal we saw from Spencer Rattler was really impressive. This is a guy that Lincoln Riley, a quarterback guru, has been talking highly of. And I do think he has the potential to be good. I wonder what you're going to do without you know your main weapon there. CeeDee Lamb's now in the NFL. But I do think that Oklahoma is the most complete team in the Big 12. But at the same time, you take the Big 12, do you think that they would be able to beat every team in the SEC? I think they would for sure be able to beat five in the SEC. Maybe six. Then they would they would lose to three immediately. And, the, and to me, that would be Georgia, Alabama. And I would actually throw Florida in there right now. And then LSU... Auburn, A&M, kind of you could see a toss-up. So I'll say, yeah, right now, they are. Seven, Penn State, Penn State should be lower. They just lost their best player, Micah Parsons. Parsons elected to sit out for the 2020 season. That's a major factor on your defense. I like Journey Brown. I think he's a really good running back. You cannot rely just on that running back position at at the college football level anymore. Even though Wisconsin does it consistently, they need to be lower. I would go A&M higher. Eight, Florida. Here's the conversation. 
does A&M need to be higher than Florida? Right now, no. I would put Florida higher than LSU. But I would put A&M higher than LSU as well. I think when you look at Florida, they have all the pieces to be a very good football team. And the biggest question mark, they already have answered. Kyle Trask can be a competent quarterback. Does that mean he's going to be a first-round pick in the upcoming draft? No, it doesn't. doesn't even mean he's going to be a top 50 pick in the NFL draft. But he is going to be a competent quarterback. His middle-of-the-range accuracy is on point. He's done a fantastic job stretching the field with his receivers. He's done a great job making a mark on building a repertoire with his weaponry. And that's something that Kellen Mond has never done. He's only looked at number one being Jamon Osmond. And then if he's lucky, he gets another guy open. And that's always been his problem. He has his number one guy and then he's done. So I would say Florida right now deserves to be at least at number eight, if not higher, and a and needs to be below them. After that, Oregon, Notre Dame, Auburn, I think you can make an argument for all of them. I definitely think with Oregon and Notre Dame, you immediately can. Oregon lost their number one player in Justin Herbert. They lost their middle linebacker in Troy Dye. Their secondary is not that good. I could see how A&M would be ranked a little higher than Oregon. Um, Notre Dame, same thing. Notre Dame, just, they always come in overhyped. They always finish 10-2. and two. They always finish 9-3. and three. That's just how they do it. They lose to, like, a pit. They lose to, like, a like a USC at the end of the year. They don't have that mentality that you really want. And even though Ian Book is a three-year starter, it doesn't really mean that much to me when I'm looking at it on paper. Auburn, I'd keep a little higher. I'd probably put them around the same place as A&M. I would say Auburn's outside the top 10. They should probably be in it. Yeah, they're going to have to replace that defensive line. They're going to have to replace their starting cornerback, uh, Noah Igahabe. Sorry if I butchered his name. That defensive line of Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown is going to be the hardest thing to replace. But I still think that if Bo Nix can be a solid answer, he has a great weapon in Seth Williams. They can at least make things interesting. And the way that Gus Malzahn runs his offense, I think it's going to be really fun to watch in 2020. I do. I think that they at least a top 10 team going into the year with A&M either being right there with them because they still have some flaws or right below them. But Auburn's been really under the radar and a lot of people are probably not giving them the credit. And then Wisconsin. Wisconsin's below A&M. Absolutely they are. They don't have a competent quarterback. They lost their main point of the offense with Jonathan Taylor going to the draft. They lost two of their key offensive linemen in Tyler Biotis and Michael Dieter. I'm not sure that they're going to be something very special, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They lose a premier edge rusher in Zach Bond. I think that they're at least an eight-win team, but I think A&M has a higher ceiling. So I would go right now, Clemson, Ohio, uh, Alabama, Ohio State 3, I'd go Georgia 4. I'd go Oklahoma 5. I would go Florida 6, Auburn 7, A&M 8. Probably, I don't know, probably Penn State 9 and LSU 10. That'd be my top 10 if I was doing it right now. I think that A&M has enough to be a top 10 contender. And when you look at the teams below them, Texas, Michigan, Oklahoma State, 
Minnesota, North Carolina, Utah, UCF, they all have problems, just like A&M, and some of their problems are much more significant than A&M's. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Aggies. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. Tomorrow, we will have special guest Ian Cummings talking about his recent article on ProFootballNetwork.com breaking down the top players in the 2020 class that could be featured out of College Station. We will see you then. And remember, this has been Locked On Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.